Welcome to the In the Scriptures podcast. The following Bible lesson was previously recorded. Now we have been, over the last number of weeks, looking at the work of the church. Is that one working? Mike, is that one working? I don't think it is. It is? Okay. It just didn't... We've, we've adjusted it so it's not quite as booming as it was. Okay. Um, and th- this week we've come to prayer. And I, I'm going to warn you, um, I'm going to try to talk fast, but I've got a lot. I've got two folders up here. This, this, is, a, this is a big topic. We've got all day. I don't, well, Mike may have all day. I don't know if everybody else does. You know, the, the prayer, though, really is, it's an important subject. And yet, I, it seems to me, you know, y'all, y'all hold your opinions to yourself, but it seems to me that one of the reasons it's such an important and often talked about, often studied about, often taught about subject is because we still often struggle with it. And so in, in thinking about prayer, there, there's, just, there's a lot of things that come to my mind that, that are important to try to say about it and try to teach about it and try to understand about it and think about it. Uh, in the past, I have even done complete series on prayer, and I'm going to try to kind of slam a bunch of that in here at you today uh, that comes from all of that to some degree. But maybe, Lord willing, down the road, it might be better to break it all out into just more of a, a longer series itself. I want to read a couple of things to you, though, to kind of set our mind in a certain way. This is titled, No Time to Pray. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, but you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. That little poem, in so many ways, I think sums up some of our ups and downs and struggles with prayer. Sometimes life gets so busy and and we get so busy and so involved in so many things that stopping to pray seems like a task, a burden, um, a difficulty, something that we just don't have time for. And then we get in the midst of all of those things and we're struggling and we're spinning our wheels and it's just not what we thought it would be and we're like sweating over all that and we're anxious over all of that and we're stressed over all of that and we start thinking, why God? Why is it like this? (laughs) And if we come to our senses, we'll realize, man, it's because I haven't prayed. It's because I haven't spent time in reading the Scriptures. It's because I haven't really turned to God in the midst of all of this. 
I want to ask you this morning, why is prayer important to you? In this series of lessons, we have put it in the, the context of well, what is the local church to do, and prayer is part of that. We've prayed together this morning. And as we read there from James 5, 13 through 16, we are to uh, pray when we're suffering. We're to call for the elders to have them pray over us. We are to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. It's very obviously what we are to do as children of God, that we are to be involved in praying with one another and for one another in a number of ways. As 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. It's obviously part of what we're to do. As you go through the uh, life of Jesus, and you can see a number of times in which Jesus exemplifies prayer, and to the point where His disciples even said, Lord, teach us to pray. They saw it in Jesus. It's obviously part of what we are to be and do as believers, followers of God. But why is prayer important to you? Let me ask a follow-up question. What if there was no hope of any of your prayers ever being answered? I can't say that to you today, but what if I could? Just humor me for a moment. What if I could tell you that you will pray all of your life and never have a prayer answered? Is prayer still important to you? And the reason I ask that question is I really believe that sometimes when you and I struggle with prayer, that's exactly why. It's because we have prayed and we have prayed and we have prayed and we've never seen an answer. And so what's the natural thing to do? Stop. Give up. As a matter of fact, the definition in, in one way or another of insanity is to continue to do the same thing expecting a, expecting a different result. Right? And we don't want to be called insane. And there are many in the secular world that would say that very thing, that if we bow our knees to pray to a God we can't see repeatedly, they would say, we're insane. Is that how you feel? Is that how I feel? I might submit to you that when we struggle with prayer in one way or another, that's kind of what we're saying. We're not really putting full faith and assurance in God hearing our prayer, answering our prayer, caring about our prayer, or any of the above. But you see, the Bible teaches us so much more about prayer than to limit it to that kind of thinking. But I still want us to really think about why is prayer important to us. Psalm 65, verse 2, David said, O oh, you who hear prayer, to you all men come. I want you to dwell on that for just a minute. Because what, that, what David is acknowledging is that even the person who's not a faithful believer or follower in God might bow down and pray. You may have known of an instance like that. Someone who, not a Christian, not really a believer of any kind, but they pray. I'll give you a New Testament example. Remember Cornelius? Cornelius was a devout man, a believer in God, but not yet a believer in Jesus. God heard his prayers, but God sent to him a preacher of the gospel. He sent to him someone that could lead him to Christ, to what he really needed to do. But it echoes what David's saying here is that, that the God who hears prayer to you all men come. 
Prayer, in, in many ways, is a universal language. It's a universal thing. And so although there are some in our world that would say we're insane for praying to a God that we cannot see with no evidence that He will ever hear and no evidence that He'll ever answer, well, it's kind of interesting because it's pretty well universally recognized that men pray. In 1 Peter 3.12, we read, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Psalm 20 and verse 6, now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. He will answer him from His holy heaven with the saving strength of His right hand. You see, in that text you see that David knew God was interested in man's prayers. And we read that throughout the Scriptures. And that's important for you and I to be reminded of. And that's important for you and I not only to be reminded of, but to believe in. Because it's very easy for us to fail to believe in those things. For us to get distracted with the bad information that's out there in our world. You know, there's a lot of other questions we could ask. Well, why do we pray? Well, the Scriptures teach us that prayer is God's way for us to ask and receive. From Him. Even though you and I may not immediately see the exact answer to our prayer, or we may not get a a specific yes to a prayer, it's still what the Scriptures teach is our way to ask and receive. Even the Lord's Prayer, as He taught His disciples how to pray, give us this day our daily bread. It was an ask and receive expectation. You can read about those in Luke 11, 3-13, Philippians 4-6, James 4, 2, all examples of how we are to be asking of God by prayer. Prayer is God's way for us to find grace, mercy, help when we're in times of need and trials. See Hebrews 4, 16, that's what it says. That we go to Him to find grace to help in time of need. Prayer is God's way for us to have the peace of God. I'll say more about that in a moment, but as we read about that in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, you know, you and I, when we're feeling stressed and anxious and, you know, we can't get our mind centered and we can't seem to stop all the thoughts in our mind that are just going and running, prayer is where we need to be. And if you read and study Philippians 4, 6 and 7 especially, you'll see that. That the idea is to, to cast to get those cares into the presence of God and get rid of our own anxieties, get rid of our own worry, and find peace from God. Prayer is God's way to keep us near Him. And dare I say, also far from the devil. 1 Peter 5, verses 6-9, through 9, we read about the devil being that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And there's the attitude of prayer seen in that text that we're to be sober, vigilant, casting our care upon God because He cares for us. In James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, Ephesians chapter 6, when we read about the armor of God and prayer is in there. Bottom line, why should we pray? Prayer is commanded and taught by God's Word. As we read there in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul wrote to Timothy, I desire that the men pray everywhere, 
lifting up holy hands. There are a lot of principles on how to pray. That's the kind of thing that we really don't have time today to cover, but just to mention a few that you can find throughout the Scriptures. We're to pray in faith. We've got to believe it. We're to pray in the name of Jesus. It's by His authority as the mediator that we're approaching God. We're to pray within God's will. I'll have more to say about that in a moment too, but you know, it, it's, we, un, we have to understand that God ultimately controls it all in His hands, not ours. We're to pray trusting the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us. And the more that we study God's Word, the more help the Holy Spirit can be to us to see God's will within God's Word. We're to pray for purity and in purity. We're to be the righteous ones coming before God. Pray with a forgiving heart. We're to pray with love for one another in bearing with one another's burdens and in praying for one another. There's to be a love, a brotherly love among us. We're to pray consistently and persistently. Read that throughout the Scriptures. It's to be consistent. Pray without ceasing. It's to be consistent and persistent. We're to pray intently. Concentrating. It shouldn't be just flippantly done. We're to pray with thanks, thankfulness. With gratitude. As we approach God. There's a number of things we're to pray about as we just look at scriptural examples. In Jesus' model prayer, He exalts God and submits to God. He asks for daily needs and for forgiveness. He asks for help and guidance. And He concludes again by exalting God. Help from God is a common theme throughout prayers that we read about in the Scriptures. Wisdom is a common theme as far as what is being prayed for and about in the Scriptures. We're to pray for those who are suffering, those who are sick. The forgiveness of sins of one another and of others. The work of the church. And yes, for all men, kings and authorities... Another interesting study is when Jesus prayed. You ever thought about that? In the life of Christ, we see a number of examples. It seems to be a part of His daily example. Uh, when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray in Luke 11, that's kind of the insinuation is that he's the, he's the go-to authority and source on prayer. He prayed when He was baptized, when He was choosing the apostles in Luke 6, when He was transfigured in Luke 9, when He was serving, healing, and teaching in Mark chapter 1 when He was happy in Luke chapter 10, before He fed the 5,000 in John 6, when He raised Lazarus from the grave in John 11, when He instituted the Lord's Supper in Luke 22, when He was concerned about Peter's faith in Luke 22, when He faced betrayal, execution, death, and taking on our sins in Mark chapter 14, when He was thinking of His disciples in John 17, and when He died on the cross in Luke 23. All of that to say, do you think prayer is important? So I want to come back to my original question. Why is prayer important to you? I want to read another little excerpt 
for you. This comes from our Daily Bread, the November 18th, 1996 edition. That's quite a while back. It's titled Prayer Path. It says, In one region of Africa, the first converts to Christianity were very diligent about praying. In fact, the believers each had their own special place outside the village where they went to pray in solitude. The villagers reached these prayer rooms, they called them, by using their own private footpaths through the brush. When the grass began to grow over one of these trails, it was evident that that person to whom it belonged was not praying very much. Because these new Christians were concerned for each other's spiritual welfare, a unique custom sprang up. Whenever anyone noticed an overgrown prayer path, he or she would go to the person and lovingly warn saying, friend, there's grass on your path. It's pretty neat, isn't it? Friend, there's grass on your path. Why is prayer important to you? Well, let me ask this. Could others around you tell that prayer is important to you? Do they know that you have a prayer path? That there's a pattern in your life where you pray, whether it be in the morning or at night, over meals, whether you make other special times to pray. You see, in all these ways, we ultimately show our faith. We show our devotion. We show whether or not prayer is important to us. Let me tell you a couple of things about God that might make us feel like prayer is more important. If God is going to hear our prayer, then He must be a living God. Is that what the Bible teaches us? It certainly is. In 1 Kings 8, Solomon Praise to a very much living God. Read that text when you get a chance. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 9 and 10 talks about the Thessalonian brethren had left idols to serve the living God. There was an obvious contrast there. The idols were not living. In Acts chapter 17, as Paul's addressing the crowd there, he made the statement that it's in Him we live and move and have our being. It's a living God. In Psalm 135 and 136, we read the psalmist writing about God seeing and hearing and acting unlike the idols that men have often turned to. In Hebrews 10.31, we read it as a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Our God who hears our prayer also must be an all-knowing God. He knows all things. He knows the depths of our heart. We read that in 1 John 3 and verse 20. In 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, David was chosen by God based on his heart. God knew David's heart. Well, what's reasonable to surmise? God knows every heart. 
Hebrews 4.13, nothing is hidden from God. It's all naked and open before God. Job 34.21, we're told that He sees our steps, all of our steps. We have to be honest with God. Ecclesiastes 12.14, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And so when we think about why is prayer important, I'm bowing before not only a living God, but an all-knowing God. You ever had that moment as a kid, you know, I, 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 was, I was overall a pretty good kid, but I got a lecture every now and then. You ever get a lecture? And usually when I get a lecture, I know I'm not alone in this, so some of y'all can grin a little bigger. When, usually when I get a lecture, it was because my parent, parents already knew what I had done. Thus, they were prepared with a lecture. Right? Now, if you were like me and you can remember a moment like that, that's really not a great feeling to sit down when you know that they know and you're about to hear about it. It's just not a good feeling. But you know what I do remember about some of those moments in my unfortunate childhood? Was there any reason at that point for me to hold back? Nope. Might as well confess. Might as well apologize and apologize and apologize and apologize and apologize. Might as well promise and promise and promise and promise. I won't do that again. Might as well cry. Now, don't you think a minute about going before our Heavenly Father? Isn't it much the same? He already knows. So there's no reason to be pretentious. There's no reason to be secretive. There's no reason to be calculated. We just need to be honest and sincere and genuine. Not only is our God a living God, an all-knowing God, but He's also an all-powerful God. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Romans 1.20, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. You go out and you look around and you can see the power and the magnificence of God. Jeremiah 33.3 tells us His power is beyond what we can understand. In Exodus 7-12, through 12, the plagues that came upon Egypt showed that God's power was greater than the power of the Egyptian gods. All-powerful. In, in Exodus 14, He parted the Red Sea. The, the impossible was accomplished. In Exodus 16 and 17, He gave bread from heaven and water from a rock. Joshua 10, the sun stands still. In Ephesians chapter 3, we're told that He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. We also read this through the power that works in us. He's not only living and all-knowing and all-powerful, but He's a God of providence. 
He provides. He knows and He has the power and He's at work in us. There's, there's nothing He hasn't provided us. Acts 17, 25. He, he gives us what we need. Matthew 6, 8. He knows what we need before we ask. James 1, 7 and 8. Asking without doubting because, again, God already knows. We've got to be believing in it. In Philippians 4.19, Paul said, God shall supply all your need. In Genesis 22, in the Old Testament, verse 8, Abraham told Isaac, God will provide when the sacrifice was needed. In Genesis 45, we see that Joseph acknowledged God's providence and the things that had happened to him. In Genesis 50, in verse 20, we read, But as for you, Joseph talking, As for you, you meant evil against me, talking to his brothers who sold him off into slavery, all those things that happened. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. I want to read another little story from you. This is from an unknown source talking about icebergs. You ever studied much about icebergs? It will remind you a lot of what we need to remember with prayer. In the frigid waters around Greenland are countless icebergs, some little and some gigantic. If you observe them carefully, you'd notice that sometimes the small ice flows move in one direction, while their massive counterparts actually flow in another direction. The explanation is simple. The surface winds drive the little ones. Whereas the huge masses of ice are driven by the deep ocean currents. Strong enough to go against the surface wind. The writer goes on to say, When we face trials and tragedies, it's helpful to see our lives as being subject to two forces. Surface winds and deep ocean currents. The winds represent everything changeable. Unpredictable, distressing. But operating simultaneously with these gusts and gales is another force that's even more powerful. It's the sure movement of God's wise and sovereign purposes. The deep flow of His unchanging love. God is that deep ocean current that as the song says that we sing, moves in a mysterious way. If we had the, you know, somebody will say, are you sensing the winds of change, right? Well, we're sensing the surface winds. When God is beneath working greater things. I asked you earlier, if you knew none of your prayers would ever be answered, would you still pray? I would say, yes, do. Because maybe all you're seeing right now is surface winds. And if you keep praying, God's going to keep working. He's not going to stop. We've got to be willing to submit ultimately to His providence. In James 5, as we read earlier from 13 through 16, in verse 16, there's that idea that 
the effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much, and he tells the story in the next few verses of Elijah whose prayer was heard. Remember, as I mentioned a while ago, Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, his prayer was heard and he was led to Christ. We also have to trust God with our prayers. And finally on this, our God that hears our prayer is a Father. I mean, remember that. The Scripture teaches us throughout. He is God the Father. He sees us as His children. Hosea chapter 11. We have a common bond together as His children. Galatians 3, 26-29. In Romans 8, we are heirs with Christ. We read in verses 14-17. through 17. In Acts chapter 17, we're to look to Him as a loving and providing Father. We read in 24-28 through 28 and 29. In Hebrews chapter 12, we are reminded that His Son faced sin for us. We're His dear children, but our brother in Christ, His Son, faced sin for us, the Hebrew writer reminds us. And therefore, the Father chastises us also as His children. In Psalm 27.10, we read that even if father and mother on earth leave us, God still cares. There's my introduction. Why is prayer important in the work of the church? Why is prayer important for each of us as individuals? There's a few verses I want you to really take with you this morning. I know I rattled off a bunch real fast, and I can share some outlines and notes with you all if you would like that have all of this, but... I want to remind you of a few that I think need to stick with us for sure. In Isaiah 59, the first two verses we read, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor His ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. Several things to take away from that verse, but when we pray to God, we are praying to a God that has the power to answer prayer. And maybe a better way to put it is that we're praying to a God not just has the power to answer our prayer, but we're praying to a God that has the power to do what He wants to do. The power to do what He sees best to do. His hand is not too short that it cannot save. And so don't ever let it enter our mind that we're praying to a God who cannot. Because our world will try to get us to think that. No, He can. He can. And so every prayer should be offered with the mindset that I am praying to a God who can. Who can. In 1 Peter chapter 3, I read this earlier, it says that his ears are open to the righteous. God hears the righteous. Now, let's just be honest. 
when I, as a child, when I had done wrong and I sat down for a lecture from my father, how much room did I have to talk? Not much, right? Because I was guilty. I was wrong. So do you see the difference when we approach God in righteousness? Because if we're that, you know, if you're like my sister and you were that good kid, then when you talk to daddy, he listens, right? I mean, that's a simple example, but that's, that's really what we're reading here. Do we want to have the ear of our God? To really have His ear? Let's do our part. Let's come before Him in righteousness. These are important verses as well. We struggle because we're not getting answers to our prayers. We struggle with understanding what the will of the Lord is. This might be something we can talk even more about this evening in a study of it. But in 1 John chapter 5... Verses 14 and 15, John writes, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that we hears a, He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of Him. Now there, there's a lot to unpack there, but just quickly, the, the summation of it is that our prayer must fit into the will of God. Yes, we want to know that God hears us, and yes, we want to have faith and hope in God hearing and answering our prayer, but we must understand who's in the ultimate control. God. And if I'm asking something that's against His divine providence and will, then what's the answer going to be? Nope. Let me give you a, a real example that we can take to heart. Do you remember Jesus as He prayed in Gethsemane the night that He was betrayed? Father, let this cup pass from me. But if not, let Your will be done. Right? Now what was the answer to Jesus' prayer? Did God let the cup pass from Him? No. Our prayer must yield to God's will. Could I submit to you that through our praying, we're also doing an active, an active bending of our will to God's. Because we can't pray to God over and over and over about something without also thinking, if God's not saying yes to this, what is He saying? And some of you who are older and more mature in Christ, you may have had those times that you can look back in your life and you can say, man, I was praying for the wrong thing. I was praying for this and God gave me something else. And thanks be to God today that He did. It must bend to God's will. 
A Confederate soldier once wrote this, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to humbly obey. I asked God for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. And finally, in Philippians 4, I think this one is one that teaches such a profound lesson about prayer. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes when we're, when we're just so wrapped up in praying to God, what we're really looking for is peace. We want an answer. We want a resolution. We want healing. We want comfort. We want answers. But at the, at the root of all of that, what we really want is peace. It's basically us saying, God help me make peace with this. Hey, that's not a foreign idea, is it? If we'll keep lifting up our requests, our supplications, our cares to God, that's where we will find the peace of God. And we need it. We need it. So He's a God who can Let me add one thing to that thought. He's a God who is. He is answering prayers every day. He is active in our lives every day. He is providing for you and I every day. So don't let this old flesh creep in and take you away from praying to God. Pray without ceasing. This morning, if you're not a Christian, won't you become one? Don't you want to be able to bow your knee to a Heavenly Father who hears your prayer? To a Heavenly Father who can answer that prayer? but also to a Heavenly Father that can guide you into a place of peace and comfort, into a place of understanding His will in your life? Are you a child of God that's got grass on your path? Well, let's start wearing it out again today. Maybe you need to make your way up here and let's pray with you and for you and start it right now. Because that's what the command is in James 5. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another.
And we'd love to do that right here and right now. If there's any way we can help you, won't you come? Always stand and sing.